I love elements that surprise and delight users to make your product stand out. So especially things that use animation or surprising elements, things that are rewarding as well. You've got to be careful. You know, you need intuitive controls. You want to make it as easy as possible for someone to sign up to your website and start getting the value that they need out of it. But again, at the same time, you want to create a unique experience, which makes your product stand out. Hi, this is Dan Rao, founder and brand strategist at DSR Branding. And you're listening to DSR Branding Presents. Join me as I interview brilliant business leaders on branding, marketing, design, and good business principles. These are people who think differently and have commercialized their creativity to do something remarkable. This episode is on gamification and motivational design with Dr. Zach Fitzwalter. Zach earned one of the world's first PhDs in gamification design and has since lectured and developed curriculum on gamification for universities. He's also the co-founder of Eat More Pixels, an app development company, and TBD Game Company, who have just published their first iOS game, Endless Runner X. Zach has written a book on gamification, which he's kindly given us to share with you, now available in the show notes. In this episode, we discuss how businesses can use gamification to make their content more engaging and drive behavioral change. We discuss Nintendo, Pokemon Go, Foursquare, Duolingo, Zombies Run, Escape Rooms, Smartwatches, Strava, MailChimp, Black Mirror, and more. I had a great time chatting with Zach. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, Zach, thanks very much for coming on the show, man. Hey, no worries. Um, mate, we kick things off the same way uh, with a simple icebreaker. So what's your favorite brand and why? Mm, so good question. Good question. Uh, my favorite brand would have to be Nintendo. Uh, they're awesome. a classic brand. They've been around for <laughs> years, right? Uh, I think they started off as a, a, a card company. They made playing cards, um, but then, you know, pivoted when video games started to take off and got into video games. And I just think they're kind of the quintessential, you know, well-known gaming company uh, and their brand has just been consistent forever. So I love it. They're, they're quite serious, but also have in the sense of, you know, traditional kind of corporate structure, et cetera, but they're also not afraid to, to have fun and play. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've grown up playing Nintendo 64, uh, Zelda, yes. James Bond, uh, Mario Kart. Um, and then, oh, they're great games. And then what they did with the Wii as well and, you know, people putting holes in their TVs by uh, <laughs> playing bowling and stuff I, like that. Like, uh, I just think Nintendo's this, just iconic. Yeah, totally. And I love that they're, they're not afraid to take chances and try something risky and new. Like the, the Nintendo Wii was totally different to anything else out there at the time, but it, it, it really worked. And, and like, even naming yeah, it like, Wii was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. And then what they did with, um, with, I mean, they were behind Pokemon Go, weren't they? They, well, it's quite interesting. So the, the Pokemon company is, uh, I think it's, it's owned by Nintendo, but uh, the guys behind or the, the company behind Pokemon Go was actually from Google originally, Niantic. Oh, wow. Um, so that was kind of a, uh, you know, they worked together to create Pokemon Go, this, this Niantic company and the Pokemon company. Do you remember that time? I don't know if you got caught up in that. I actually did, <laughs> um, mm. uh, which is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should be telling that on a podcast. But um, And just everyone was just out in the streets, like on their phone, but like going for walks and, yeah, catching Pokemon. It was, it was crazy times. 
I do. I do remember that. And I mean, it's it's amazing. Still, It's still happening today. Obviously, with COVID, we're kind of stuck inside a little bit, but people are still going out and raiding. I have a couple of friends who are still doing it years down the, the track, right? That's awesome. And, um, although it's not as popular as, as we it used to be, it's still doing really well, um, the game itself. So yeah. One of my friends is an investment manager. Um, and mm. I remember when it came out, I'm like, Matt, like, what is Nintendo? What are these stocks? Maybe not Nintendo stocks, but what are the stocks <laughs> of this company that you mentioned before going to do over this time? I said, yeah. this is going crazy, this thing. Um, and yeah, I, I flew to Hawaii that year with my wife and we were just, yeah. we, we reminisce on that trip. I'm like, did we just spend like a week walking around catching Pokemon in Hawaii? <laughs> like, yeah, I think we did. I'm like, but, I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, but this is the thing, right? It's so engaging. And I guess this is what we're going to talk about today. This is the concept of gamification. But I think Pokemon Go just goes to show that if you have an engaging gaming experience, it can really motivate people to do things. Yeah, totally. Well, mm. Zach, to kick things off, what is gamification? Good question. So gamification is... It has its roots in video games, and basically uh, over the last 10, 15 years or so, video games have become mainstream, become very popular. But the most important thing is that video games are really engaging. And so gamification looks at video games and says, okay, hey, if these video games, if people are spending on average 90 minutes a day playing uh, games in Australia, if these are so engaging, how can we take the the elements of games or the design processes behind games or the reasons why it's motivating and apply it to non-game contexts to make those uh, more motivating experiences as well. Yeah, cool. And what would be an example of that, of um, you know, a company or a software or an app taking those elements of gamification and putting it into another scenario? Yeah, so one of my favorite examples, which probably everyone may have heard of or, or at least tried or used or seen someone using is Duolingo. Um, so Duolingo is a online website platform and app, uh, and it's, it's basically an app where you learn a language, uh, but they've done it in a gamified way. So there's game elements to encourage you to come back, to, to keep playing, to play regularly, uh, and it feels very much like a game when it, in actual fact it's it's primarily a tool for learning a different language such as Spanish or Japanese. So I think that's one of my favorite examples of gamification and it goes to show how effective it is because there's millions of people playing it. Yeah, that's cool. And and you you do a lot of work on gamification uh, for UX design. Uh, are you able to give me a bit of a yes. background on why gamification is important or yeah, how, the, how those two things relate? Yeah, of course. So uh, when it comes to user experience design, you are not just thinking about, so when you have a digital product, you obviously want to provide some kind of value to people. Um, You want to make the experience easy to use. But beyond those two things, um, you know, you also want to consider the entire experience that a person has with a product, a a digital product. Um, And so user experience really looks at the, the whole experience Um, and understands things, not just is this easy to use or um, is there good utility, uh, but also looking at, you know, how does this make people feel? Is it engaging? Is it motivating? Is it fun to use? And these elements are uh, important to consider when you're designing something because this is what can create a a long-lasting sense of engagement for some digital products to, to think about what keeps people coming back to it and the experience they have. Yeah, cool. And how did you get into it? Because it's pretty niche. Yeah, it is. It's, so it's it is niche. It's gaining popularity. Uh, but so for me, it was back in two thousand and 
nine. Uh, I was just about to, I was deciding whether to do a PhD or to go out into industry. And I decided to go with a PhD, but on the only, uh, on, on the, basically only if I could look at video games as part of the PhD. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, That's I really cool. just wanted to study video games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that was a prerequisite for the PhD. Um, and from that point on, I was just looking at how video games, there are a couple of apps already out. Foursquare was one of them, um, which is a, a social networking app, uh, that was, I think it was released back in 2007. Now the, the iPhone was just gaining popularity at that time. Um, so we saw more and more apps appearing and yeah, there were just more, uh, more pieces of software that were out there that were including game elements. And I thought this is a really interesting phenomenon. Let's look at, uh, let's look at researching it and, and seeing kind of what the deal is with uh, these game elements being added to non-game contexts. Foursquare was an interesting one because, I mean, I, I yeah. don't know if it's, um, if it's still around or still has the same popularity now or if it's bought out. But um, mm. yeah, tell me a bit about, do you remember, are you able to give us a, a brief overview on that for, for people oh, who might be oh, not yeah. as Do I remember it? Foursquare? Of course I did. I was <laughs> using Foursquare daily because yeah, it wow. had a... So you, you, were, you used it to check into places and then you could share that location with your friends. So if you went to a, a park, you could be like, hey, I'm in the park. Or if you uh, go to a coffee <laughs> shop, it was like, hey, I'm in the coffee shop. The value wasn't, you know, that great in terms of you know, providing something that was of value to me apart from, you know, sharing my location with my friends. It was interesting to see where people were currently at. But for me, the, the most motivating thing were the game elements. They created a game around checking in and exploring your city and finding new places. And they had, a, they had some nice game mechanics. So whenever you checked into a place, you got coins, uh, or points, which was nice. Uh, if you checked into unique places, uh, then you got badges. So if you checked into a boat, you got the I'm on a boat badge and things like that. <laughs> but for me, the most motivating thing was the mayorships. So you could become the virtual mayor of a place. I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. And there so was a coffee like, shop a, that was hot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mayor of- Hotly yeah, contested. This coffee shop here. Oh, I know, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> it was interesting. I think, and think they were going for kind of the, the branding and exposure kind of path in, in terms of uh, companies could then offer discounts to mayors and things like that, or businesses, local businesses could offer discounts to, to mayors and Foursquare users. But it didn't really, uh, it, they, they split it up into two apps. So it became Swarm and Foursquare. Foursquare became a recommendation uh, kind of platform. And then Swarm was the check-in platform. And yeah, look, to me, the game elements was the most motivating part, but it didn't sustain the value of the app itself. So um, this, is, this is one thing you've got to be really careful with when it comes to gamification design is the game elements can be a draw card, but if you haven't got that underlying value, um, that you're providing, then you know you've got to keep making the game interesting for people to keep playing. Otherwise, you'll just lose people. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, which kind of leads me on to my um. Well, actually, before I get to that question, I want to ask: What is your favorite video game? Oh, that's that's a tough question. Look, it changes, right? It depends on the the situation, how I'm feeling, and uh, who I'm with. But uh, look, there's so many good games out there. Uh, I I actually like recommending board games, believe yeah, it or cool. not, compared to video games because I just think there's something nice about getting around a table with a couple of friends and playing some board games. And there's so many good board games out there uh, to potentially play. Um, but one of my favorites that I'm, I've played recently is called The Mind. Uh, it's $20 or $30. Uh, and it's 
you don't usually see collaborative board games. I mean, there's a couple out there, but this one you sit down and you've, you've basically got to try and without speaking or without making any any uh, indication as to what cards you have in your hand. You've got to place your cards down in order from 1 to 100, depending on what cards you get, without speaking. And it's just a lot of fun, that game. You can play it at a bar, you can play it at home. So yeah, I, I love board games. They're a great way to socialize and get people around the table. So That's I recommend cool. the mind at the moment, but there's so many, so many other games. That's uh, awesome. You know, I'll, I'll post a link Nintendo to it in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, yeah, good call. So, yeah, so going back to Foursquare um, and, and yep. I guess when you started studying in 2009, so you started your PhD, um, I guess, can you give me a, a, a quick run through of sort of what happened from there uh, up until, yeah, 2020? Yeah, sure. So started the PhD in 2010. Didn't re- I wasn't calling it gamification at the time. It, the, the word hadn't really come about or became popular by then. Um, so I was calling it something weird, like pervasive, persuasive gaming. Uh, but what happened was, yeah, I know, it's really, it really uh, rolls off the tongue well, doesn't it? Um, gamification is much better. But I was studying it, just looking at how game elements could be added to, to apps in particular, because there's a nice combination of, of this new technology. So smartphones, you can capture so much, so much rich information about people. Um, for example, their location, uh, how many steps they've taken during the day, these kind of things. And these these elements can be used to fuel games, which is really exciting because all of a sudden you've got these new, unique style of games, which I guess, you know, similar to Pokemon Go, right? You stop sitting in front of a screen, plugged in uh, your TV to the to the wall, etc., where you're just sitting in the same spot to all of a sudden you're out and about and exploring the real world. So you can do some really interesting things with smartphone technology. And so it the you know, technology developed, it got easier to make apps. Um, and we saw kind of gamification take off and become an industry. Um, there are a lot of people who are super excited about it, especially in the marketing space, uh, as a way to engage uh, new customers or to get really inf- interesting information from people uh, or to engage people with brands and products. And there, it became a bit of a buzzword, a bit of a it was, it was hyped up quite a bit where gamification was kind of the, the cure-all, the, the silver bullet for everything. Every problem you have with engagement, gamification will fix it. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the Gartner hype cycle. It's usually reserved for technological innovations, but there, yep, yep. it was on that you know as well for a bit where there was a lot of hype around gamification. People were super excited um, about the potential. But then what you know, what people realized is it's actually really difficult to design a good game, let alone gamification, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, the number of games that fail out there or that don't engage people or aren't very good, uh, you know, is very high. There's there's lots of games. Um, It's really hard to make a really good engaging game. And the same goes with gamification. If you're applying game elements to non-game context, you've got to think about the game design. And so, people were defaulting to things like points, badges, and leaderboards and just implementing those without thinking about the reason for gamification, so why you're adding game elements in the first place. And so we saw a lot of, uh, you know, those those kinds, types of designs appear and they just weren't really having the effect. And so we're now at the point, you know, 10 years later where the industry has definitely evolved. Um, there's fewer, uh, there's fewer, less hype around gamification, but we are seeing some really interesting implementations that if designed well, can, can work really well to engage people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you mentioned before, uh, I guess, 
um, when you were talking about gamification in apps, uh, the ones that do well help sort of change behavior. I was thinking of one when you were talking about Duolingo. Um, I used yeah. the Headspace and um, it, it oh, yeah. does things nice. like uh, gives you a total hours and it will give you a run streak and mm-hmm. little things like that. Um, and, it, you know, I'm looking down at my, um, my smartwatch now or my uh, sort of uh, tracking watch now and it's got how mm. much um, percentage of my daily activity I've done and things like that. So are those, are those yeah. other elements of, of this gamification in, you know, in sort of a non-game environment? Yeah, totally. Those are great examples. And it can be as simple as that. So light touch gamification can be those, you know, just a little bit of feedback saying, hey, here's how you're going today. Um, I use an Apple Watch and I love it. Uh, Just the activity (laughs) rings on it, which tells me how little exercise I've done every day. Um, (laughs) But just seeing those rings fill up can be extremely motivating. And, you know, Apple Rings, great example of, of gamification. You get badges um, for achieving certain milestones. You can compete against your friends for a week, which is fun. But, yeah, for me, it's just filling up the little rings every day. You know, mm. it's, you've got a clear goal. You've got this feedback. You've got the challenge there. And you can kind of view it in a game-like way, which is nice. Tell me a bit about the app scene or the app, um, I guess, industry and how that has perhaps changed over the, over the last sort of six to eight years. Because I remember a time yeah. where, where every, I mean, working, I've been working in marketing and advertising for, for over a decade now. And I remember early in my career, sort of every new idea was like, hey, that's got to be an app. That's got to be an app. And yes, yeah, it's yes. just like there was an app for everything. And, and then I was sort of thinking about it with, you know, like how many apps on your phone do you have that you've just never used again? You've, you've used once. Oh, yeah, for, downloaded once. That's yeah, right. yeah, to, to park somewhere or something like that. And then you've never had to do it again. Um, tell me about how apps have evolved and I guess the, the change in that industry. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very similar to, I guess, how the web evolved in the sense that when it first came out, uh, it was exciting. It was new. There's very few um, apps out there. Uh, and so... Early on, some very smart people realized that, you know, if you created games, if you created apps and got them out there, um, they you would you could have a level of success, a higher level of success. Where if you compare it to these days, um, there's many more people that know how to make apps now because you know there's university courses on apps, uh, app development, app design. It's a field which has evolved. So uh, you have a lot of people who now know how to design good apps and and to make apps. And so we're seeing a lot of people making apps and releasing them versus, you know, 10 years ago when there there were much fewer apps and they were harder to make and harder to get out there. Um, Again, a lot of hype around apps, you know, uh, I think we tend to focus on the success stories. Uh, So some of the biggest apps out there were making a lot of money um, because, you know, they were were really well designed or they fulfilled uh, a a niche or a need that someone had. Um, But these days, there are so many apps released every day. Um, you just have to go have a look at the stats. I think, you know, last year it was like 500 apps were being reviewed a day or, or released a day. Wow. And so now it's, it's cheaper to make apps because more people know how to make apps. Um, but at the same time, it is harder to, to get your app out there and known. Um, yeah. You know, you really need to nail not just the app development itself, have a great idea, but also the marketing for it and the advertising. That's a huge part of making sure that your app is is well known. Yeah, that's cool. And are there any apps that you guys have done that uh, that you know that you guys are really proud of? 
Oh yeah. Look, we have, uh, so we, we do two things. We make apps for clients and we make apps for ourselves. We're trying to move into making more of our own apps just because it's nice having a bit more control. But yeah, yeah. I think our favorite app that we've made, uh, or one of our, one of the, the best ones that we like is an app for New South Wales, uh, learner drivers. Um, and it doesn't sound really exciting, but we just, we just love it because it, it basically replaces the paper logbook. Learner drivers can use it um, to log their hours in New South Wales and submit it. And it just, something like this makes so much more sense mm. as an app because, yeah. you know, you can't lose your paper log, uh, you can't lose an app versus a paper logbook because all your data is saved to the cloud. You can just capture all this amazing information automatically so the, the learner driver doesn't have to enter it themselves. So, you know, start time, end time, location, uh, what the weather was like. Um, so it just reduces the amount of time people are writing out their, their trips in their paper logbook. Um, so for us, yeah, we love it. It makes a lot of sense. And it, we've had uh, quite a bit of popularity with it in New South Wales. Yeah, that's great. Back onto gamification. What are some, you mentioned before, some apps that really nail the, the gamification elements, so Duolingo. But are there any industries, so I guess that's, a, that's in education um, and learning, but is yes. there any other industries that gamification provides a huge opportunity for growth for? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of big ones uh, where it's quite it's been quite well applied. So education is one of them. Education, learning, basically wherever there's there's an area where something is not that motivating or enjoyable or engaging to begin with, uh, then game elements could be looked at applying to make it more motivating and engaging. So, uh, you know, off the top of my head, education, and learning, big one. Fitness. Uh, health and well-being is another one. It yeah. can be hard to be motivated to go out and exercise sometimes. And so, you know, we see some great apps like Zombies Run, one of my favorite ones out there. Uh, well, tell me about that. A, have you seen it? It's no. great. No, no, no. Uh, it's a, it's an app which, so you've got, you know, you've got Fitbit, you've got Apple Rings, et cetera, where yeah. you're getting some feedback on how many steps you've done during the day, which is kind of fun. But those apps don't have Zombies, Dan. Uh, <laughs> zombies Run does. And what's quite interesting about it is that it has a zombie apocalypse narrative and places you in the center of it. And as you run, the narrative unfolds. And so you get to hear this, this really interesting uh, and engaging narrative uh, about a zombie apocalypse where you kind of, you're, you're the star of it, you're the runner, um, which is cool. And they do have zombie chases where, you know, again, using smartphone technology, you can tell how fast someone is running. So at some point, if you turn it on in the app, you can be chased by zombies and then you have to outrun them. Brilliant. not to lose these stuff that's yeah, brilliant. Great. we'll, we'll make sure we link that one as well actually on yeah. that on on fitness ones i think one one for me that sticks out and i'm not on it but um but i know a lot of people who are is strava um oh think, yeah strava's great yeah well i think and it does have game elements embedded in it yeah well i think you know i know people who who ride a lot and you can you can sort of own a I'll get this wrong, but you can own like a, a, a route or a, a trip between, mm. maybe not a trip, like a loop. Like you could, you could win the river loop and see how you're placed on the, yeah. um, on the leaderboard exactly. and things like that. And then you can compete with friends yeah, and share so it and things like that. Like I think that's exactly. really, really smart yeah. how they've done that. Yeah, and it's just a little thing. Um, obviously, when I say little thing, it was probably quite a, a big thing to implement or design to get it right. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's just that little addition which – uh, is quite motivating because you're like, oh, I'm third on this this particular route. Maybe I can get better at it. Yeah. Um, or it gives you some understanding of how well you're doing in terms of your your age range or whatever. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Actually, yeah, I think it was details. Strava that um 
that had the privacy. If, I don't know if it was a privacy issue, but people worked out where hidden military bases in the states were based on the Strava, no, uh, like the Strava really? logs. Yeah, yeah. So there was like, I didn't hear about that. There was like all these like uh, routes, like all these people running this loop. Um, and it just turned out to be this military base in Florida or something like that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that raises a really good point, right? Like you're gonna, you forget like if if people are using these these apps and things, um, you know, there's privacy issues potentially. Yeah, completely. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it happen as well now with um, with apps where companies are using them for uh, for employee well being. Is that something that you guys have have played? Yes, played a bit of uh, a role in. Yeah, there's, there's so, yeah, definitely internally. So to engage employees, you see gamification, especially in kind of call centers being used to to motivate and to engage employees uh, in sales. Um, and then also, you know, we're seeing it in other areas uh, for in HR, et cetera. Um, like you said, with similar to kind of Headspace apps, there's apps out there that are just for internal company usage to to understand how people are going to get feedback on on performance and and just well-being as well. So there's a lot of platforms out there that people have made which have game elements in it. Um, but also uh, you can see uh, people making kind of bespoke things as well for companies. Cool. I've seen some done, done with with corporates where they'll do almost like intercompany uh, challenges for for steps yes. and, and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. For one, for... Um, you know, even uh, launched over COVID where um, they're encouraging, you know, all employees throughout the lockdown to, to use that time, um, you know, that hour a day if they're in Melbourne to, um, yeah, sort of track their steps and, and things like that, which is quite mm. cool. Um, yeah, for sure. I do have one question. As long as they're not forced to do it, <laughs> then it's okay. Because then it stops becoming play and games. It becomes work, right? Yeah, yeah, so as yeah. As soon that's, as you're forced to do something. That's right. You feel yeah. obliged to it to do it because your boss is beating yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted to ask about the business side of apps and maybe gamification. And it's like, how do you monetize these things? How do you monetize apps? Uh, so, well, for us, so we, we make apps for clients and the clients will be using it for some reason, um, then it's on them to monetize it. But these days, so back in the day, we, you know, you, the, the hard thing is many good apps are free, right? Mm. So That's what I was thinking. Um, it is very, it is very difficult to, it can be difficult to make money off apps unless you really nail your business model. Um, so what we find these days is back in the day, a lot of people had paid apps, but these days, you you see people going down the route of having free apps and then offering in-app purchases to unlock extra features. Yeah. Um, but now we're we're moving much more into a subscription economy where more and more people are uh, offering you know extra features in the app, but on a subscription-based level, um, just because you know recurring revenue is is much better than a single payment upfront. Yeah. Um, for an in-app purchase, and otherwise, advertising is another way that a lot of people will, will uh, implement in terms of a business model. So having ads appear mm. in an app, but um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Like nailing a business model is difficult. When you get those like loading screens and then it's like an ad, an ad for some, you know, irrelevant Oh, product totally. Or- <laughs> I mean, that's the point though, right? Like it's meant to be frustrating because then you'll buy the in-app purchase to <laughs> remove ads. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do remember. Yeah. Look, it's really I, tough. I do remember buying a fair few, uh, Pokeballs back in the day. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think mean, I, I, I think was I spent in the hundreds on uh, on Pokemon Go, which I, I don't know if I'm proud of. Um, back to gamification. Your course is on gamification in UX design. Yes, this is, yes. So I, I do a bit of teaching, upcoming masterclass on on gamification for UX designers. Right. And why do designers need to be aware of this? Do you think? Yeah. So for gamification in particular, it kind of comes under the category of motivation design or behavior design. And so really it gets UX designers or designers thinking about not just creating a great product, but creating a great product that brings people back to it and engages them, uh, you know, to to keep returning to it as well. Mm. Uh, Because it's one thing making a great product, but if you haven't thought about your engagement strategy for a product. So, you know, how are you going to encourage people to come back and try it again? Because as you said, you know, one of the biggest issues with with apps these days is you download them once you use it and then that's it. You probably never touch it again unless it does something amazing for you. So how can you use gamification and motivational design thinking in order to to add some design elements to your, your apps, your websites, et cetera, to bring people back, to re-engage with it and and to really get the value that you provide uh, out of it to them. I read something uh, recently. There's a there's a guy who um, does a lot in consumer behaviour called Adam Ferreira uh, in Melbourne. Mm. He runs a agent, or in Sydney, he runs an agency called Thinkabell. And in his book, mm. uh, "Stop Listening to the Customer, Start Listening to Your Brand Instead." Really good book. But he talks mm. about um, UX design becoming too seamless sometimes, and and challenge, asks whether you know it's. You know, sometimes you have sites and it all looks the same, like every, every button's in the same, uh, you know, the, the contact button's always in the top right-hand corner or, um, yeah. you know, it's just the layout. Like, and, and I've read before that uh, where face, Facebook started to move around where they put ads because people were trained not to look in a certain area of the screen. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but what, what's your thoughts on, on UX design and actually making certain things a little bit difficult or different? To, to make it feel more unique or make the, and make the, uh, the user or the visitor um, have to go through, you know, a, a, a guess experience of discovery? A trial. A trial, <laughs> yeah. To, to, um, look, I think, yeah, no, I think it's a, great, it's a great point. I love elements that surprise and delight users to make your product stand out. So especially things that use animation or surprising elements, things that are rewarding as well. You've got to be careful, you know, you need intuitive controls. You want to make it as easy as possible for someone to sign up to your website and start getting the value that they need out of it. But again, at the same time, you want to create a unique experience, which makes your product stand out. Uh, And you can do this easily through aesthetics, through look, through feel, through animations. And some of the most memorable websites for me uh, that have really good brands will often use a character as well. Oh. For example, Mailchimp. I love Mailchimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, cool. that branding is is just spot on. You've got that little uh, chimp. He's yep. kind of. And then what's interesting is that they use him throughout the actual website as well. So, you know, little things like when you send an email um, through Mailchimp because it's a, a newsletter uh, website. You know, you can send newsletters out to people. Um, they had a little button that you pressed. It had a, and then you could give the the chimp a high five at the end. Right, yeah, so cool. it was playful, rewarding, and it, very memorable in terms of an experience. It's it's reminiscent of the uh, the little paperclip in Microsoft Word. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right, <laughs> which everyone loves to hate. <laughs> but Bring I think back. it was just way before we started. Clippy, yeah, <laughs> loved Clippy. So I, yeah, when you use characters, um, 
and you kind of have these animations and interactive elements. Easter eggs are great as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I love you that. Know, things like Vogue UK uh, had, if you, you entered a certain code on the website, there's a classic code called the Konami code, which is used in many different games. You could enter it into the Vogue UK website and Raptors wearing hats. So Velociraptors wearing hats would appear and scroll along the bottom. <laughs> Just things like that. So these unique playful elements to make your website stand out can be quite effective in in helping people remember, helping people share your website as well or, or your app. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of, I think there's intuitive controls making it good, but then there's that added experience, which as a user experience designer, you really want to think about how do you make it fun, playful, mm. entertaining, as long as it aligns to your brand as well. That's something important to consider. Yeah, um, you're right. You're um you know, know the know the tone, know the audience, know the know the scenario. You know, um, like the Velociraptors for Vogue was a little weird. <laughs> it, it is a bit weird, but it's kind of surprising and uh, yeah, a bit of an you know, um, yeah. yeah, massive massive surprise and something people might share. You know, a family divorce mm. lawyer may not choose to have something so <laughs> exciting or fun. Yes, something that's, that's right. Quite, quite serious or someone with an audience that's probably not not after a little giggle yeah. when they're on the site. And this is, this is the thing. It's really important to think about the the person and what they're trying to achieve as yeah. well. Um, so it's not just, you know, make a, an engaging website. It's really understand what someone's trying to achieve and and helping them get there. And what are, you, what are some common mistakes that you see companies or designers make when it comes to to gamification design? Oh, the biggest the biggest mistake is to start adding game elements without thinking about the reason why you're adding them. So, you know, there was a huge trend in just adding points, badges, and leaderboards to your website. And so you'd see um, websites and apps just having achievements there. It's like, you logged in, here's your badge. And it's like, <laughs> oh, look, that's not, it's not super motivating. It's not really awards. reinforcing it. Yeah, it felt like a participation <laughs> award. Um, and so, you know, the main thing I, I kind of, stress is that you think about what is the engagement problem that you're trying to tackle uh, and understanding that you've, you've, this, this is a problem that it does exist and it does exist with engagement or motivation. So for example, if people aren't signing up to your newsletter, uh, what, what's the reason for it? Is it a motivation issue? Do you have the data to, to show that people aren't signing up? Um, is it a usability issue or is it a motivation issue? Understanding those two big uh, differences. And then if it is a, an engagement issue or a motivation issue, that's when you can start looking at gamification. Um, but you've got to design the game to encourage uh, the, the the problem that you're trying to tackle. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, and you know, what's, what's some good examples uh, or things that you can think of that, that will increase um, the engagement on websites? Um, so different design, maybe design tips or takeaways that people could think about and actually start to, to implement. So, yeah, good question. It's, and again, it will change depending on what, what the website is um, and, and what you're trying to achieve with it. But there's little things you can think of uh, particularly at different stages of the, the user's uh, life cycle with your product. So you've got to think about when someone's signing up for whatever you have on offer, making it as easy as possible, not having too many hurdles, using everything you have in terms of animations and, and playful elements to get people to sign up. And then you want people to come back as well. So, you know, once they've signed up, how do they know what to do? What can they do next? Having uh, a range of tasks or suggestions, uh, you know, a list of things that they could do, why it's important for them to do it is important. 
Um, and then thinking about that experience of re-engaging them as well. So using notifications, emails, et cetera, uh, effectively to pique someone's interest, to get them coming back to find out more. I know, it, you know, I didn't mention game elements at all in there, but that's because gamification, the game elements are one part of it, but it's really understanding what makes games motivating and applying those principles to um, these engagement problems that we we have. Yeah, that's great. And then what about things like color um, and contrast and things mm. like that? Are those Are those important to consider? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, aesthetics are a big part of video games. Um, making sure you've got uh, aesthetics that uh, match the, the kind of mood or the experience that you're going for. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can think about color in the way of using it um, to highlight things, to get people to notice uh, particular areas. This does come back a lot to usability, good mm. usability design. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's different ways you can use color, animation, sounds as a designer in order to get people's attention. Sounds on websites. What are you, what are your thoughts on on sounds oh, on websites? Yeah. Look, this is a yeah. So I, on apps, great um, because you've got more control over whether your your phone is muted or not. Yeah, there's one app I really love called Clear. It's a to do to do list app, and you when it was released, it was going into a saturated market. You know, there's a lot of to do list apps out there. They're they're relatively easy to make. They're they're something which people um, use quite a bit. So Clear was an app that when it was first released was going into a saturated market. But what they did was they used uh, gestures, animations, and sounds really effectively um, to reinforce, you know, the actions that you're taking it. So as you ticked off things, it would be a, a scale that would go up, do, 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 like all the way <laughs> as you ticked things off, nice. which was so cute and so fun. Like it made it fun to tick things off. And they they did really well. So they released this app. I think it was like $6 or $8 to buy. So, you know, there's a lot of free to-do list apps out there. But because they had these engaging aspects of animation, sounds, gestures being used, uh, they did really well because they focused on the experience of the to-do list rather than just the function and the utility. Yeah, that's cool. Mate, but yes, coming back to your question about sounds and websites, don't automatically play sounds, right? <laughs> because uh, there's nothing nothing worse than jumping onto a website and all of a sudden it starts playing music. Oh, I know, I know. And sometimes you've got like a few tabs open, you're like, where is that thing coming from? Uh-huh. <laughs> you're tracking yep. it down. Um, uh, well, yeah. Just because you don't know the context of where people are accessing the website. So if they're doing it, you know, in a meeting, yeah, in a lecture yeah. hall, uh, out in public, you don't want to be playing sounds where it's going to embarrass them because that's not how you want them to feel when they're using your website. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, okay, so there's some great takeaways. I mean, on this, how, you know, because you you lecture in gamification, but you're also running a course for designers uh, on this. Can you tell me a bit yeah. about that? Yeah, sure. So this is um, a masterclass that I'm offering for, for designers, for product owners, uh, really just to start thinking about gamification within the product they have and engagement design. So I offer, uh, as, as one part of, of the consulting business for gamification, uh, a gamification audit. It sounds really exciting when you use the word audit. <laughs> but basically, it's it goes through, identifies the engagement goals that you, you have challenges with, um, justifies them or, or, or backs them up with research, user research, and then looks at proposing gamification design recommendations in order to improve the engagement experience of your website, your software, your app. And so by the end of it, you know, you have this list of recommendations, you pick the best ones or the easiest ones to implement, and then measure the impact. And so the masterclass 
basically teaches someone how to do the audit on the software they have or how to offer that audit as a service as well. That's cool. And, uh, mm. and you've got people from, from Brisbane doing this or, or all over the world? Yeah, all over the world. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, had some interest as well, for, even from Finland, which is the oh, other nice. side of the world, yeah, which I yeah, love. Cool. But uh, I mean, this is the great thing about having an online course. Previously, you know, these were run as workshops, in-person workshops. So very much, you know, locally based uh, to Australia. But now with uh, online training becoming more popular, it's much easier to serve a wider audience. So it's great being able to, to uh, teach people uh, from the other side of the world about gamification design. Yeah, that's cool. We'll have to post a link to uh, to people um, if they want to find out more about that on, uh, yeah, after the show. Sounds um, good. There'll <laughs> also be a, a very short free course on gamification there available to people. So uh, awesome. If they're interested in finding out more, they can check that out too. Yeah, yeah, cool. And Zach, what do you think the future of gamification looks like? Ooh, the future. I like this question because uh, it's always fun to speculate about the future. I know yeah, I'm no probably going to get no it gonna, wrong. But no one's going to pull you up on it as well. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Which is great. Uh, but what do I think the future looks like for gamification? I think augmented reality and virtual reality will play a big part in the future of gamification because Really, it's, you know, the technology is what drives a lot of the gamification innovations. We have these smartphones, they can measure a lot about us, um, and that can be used to, to create these games around everything that we do in our lives. So I think with augmented reality, it's going to become even more popular because you can, uh, gamification will become more popular because you can start embedding more and more game elements um, over the things that we do. Obviously, uh, you know, Hopefully it's not a dystopian world where I don't know if you've seen that episode of Black Mirror where everyone can see their social score. Yeah, yeah, I love, um, I love that. Of everyone else, <laughs> great example of gamification, right? Like yeah, you've got that feedback mechanism. Hopefully it won't be like that. Um, but I could imagine, you know, by embedding game elements over uh, other tasks we do, we could have a bit of fun uh, and and make some things more engaging as well. Yeah, you just start to get like. Um you know, respect points or something like that when you when you open doors for people or, or like help help people oh, cross yeah, totally, the road with totally. their shopping or something like that. And then you just have all these people going out to do yeah. <laughs> to, Well, yeah, I know, I know. And then, uh, then you're always questioning everyone, are you doing it because you like me or because of the game? Because right? <laughs> so. you're getting points for this. Um, That's right. So you've got to be careful with the design, but yeah. I, I like the idea of gamification around... Uh, I wonder if they could do it around like binge eating. Like I want to, I want to find a way to not eat like a full packet of chips uh, while I'm sitting down <laughs> watching Netflix. I think, I think that would be really good. Like uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with like getting my steps up and stuff like that, but it's just the ability to, uh, yeah. So if you, if you have an app for that, I'd love, I'd love to know. For binge eating? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> um, um, yeah. That's, that's obviously something you should think of. Yeah. I think it's a good challenge. Uh, so mate, Outside of outside of work, what do you do for an escape? What do I do for an escape? Oh, easy escape rooms. Really, <laughs> I love. Oh yeah, have you have you tried an escape? We room did at all? one. We did one in what is it, Edward Street in the city. Yeah, with my team last uh, nice. for our Christmas party last year. It was amazing. It was really they really cool. Are, yeah, yeah, they're great fun. Like it's just, uh, I think if, if you haven't done an escape room, it's definitely worth trying them um it's just a fun excuse again to get out get together with friends and then get locked into a room with your closest friends and it, you know you're gonna have the right friends with you because it can be a stressful environment at times but um are you yeah, pretty look, good love, 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 are we pretty good oh look i'd like to say yes um 
you know, we, there are times we have struggled with some clues and things. Uh, and I like to think, yeah, it's definitely the design and not us, but you know, we, <laughs> we miss obvious things sometimes. And this is the thing about escape rooms. Some of them you feel really good at, which is great. And others you feel really stumped at, which can be hard, but it's also a good challenge. What, what's an escape room in Brisbane that I should go to? Oh, so there's, there's plenty around. There's Escape Hunt uh, in West End, which is great. Um, and then the Fox in a Box I love as well, um, and which is in, in the city. But the nice thing is Escape Rooms, again, they took off uh, a few years ago and you see them in every city. Uh, there is one in Melbourne, I think, which actually has something like two tons of sand in it. So I do want to try that one because it's got, <laughs> Man, I it's hate got sand. sand. I hate sand. That <laughs> would be you? my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't go to that one. Don't go to that oh one. But God. I think I love it. That, yeah, no, I would, uh, yeah, that would be torture for me. Um. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Escape Hunt, Fox in a Box from Brisbane. Check those out. But yeah, have a look, do a search. There's plenty of escape rooms out there. And uh, and what are your? Fa- we talked about video game, or we talked about board games before. Um, but mm. what are your favorite books or podcasts? There's oh, there's so many podcasts out there. If you're looking at more gamification stuff, there, especially in the education education space, uh, Professor Game has a great podcast um, where he talks to a lot of the really leading uh, people in the industry of games for serious purposes, for education, and for gamification. Um, otherwise, look, there's, there's a great book by Jane McGonigal called reality is broken, which was quite popular, um, where it looked at, you know, the power of games. And then I'm just, I'm just having a look behind me at my bookshelf. There's, (laughs) there's some really, Dr. Jason Fox has some great, uh, content, some great books. How to lead a quest is an excellent one, um, about looking at motivation, uh, especially in a corporate environment. Uh, yeah, the list goes on. There's so many. Uh, the Art of Game Design by Jesse Schell is one of my all-time favorites as well, where awesome. it talks about you know game design. And what about what about um, you know novels or uh, fiction books or something like that? Any favorites? Oh, there? I look. Yeah, I'm a shocker. I should read more serious nonfiction books, but I just go back to high fantasy all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the Stormlight series, all these kind of you know very big epic ones. That take months to read. I just I lo- love it. I loved um, Ready Player One. I don't know if you've read that. Oh yeah, I have read that. Yeah, and they turned that into a movie, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, yeah. In terms of like dystopian future or something like that, like that was really cool. Um, yeah, I think they're that was out great. A sequel. I just put in my uh, Audible wish list the other day. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was an What's awesome. It it's not going to be called Ready Player Two, is it? <laughs> that I, would be I great. actually think it is. I, yeah, I don't think get out fun. really. I mean, it's the obvious <laughs> choice, I right? I, I have to check. It might be. Yeah, um, I hope not because that would be pretty unimaginative. Um, but back on the the app design um, and and yeah. your business, eat more pixels. Um, mm. So you said before you do a lot of client work, but uh, but you are getting yes. into a space of doing things. You know, doing your own games. Are there any mm. you know, are there any examples you can give where you may have you may have come up with an idea um, and executed, or you've you know ones that you've done yourself, or ones that you started and you've like you've then user tested it and, and realized that, or not user tested, but like tested the market for it and, and decided against it. Like I know lots of people who, who say, you know, I've got an idea, I've got an app idea. Like how, how yep. can someone test it or, or, you know, user test it and, and see if there's something in there. And also, yeah. you know, are there any things that you can do to actually make sure it doesn't already exist? 
Oh, yeah. So I, this is one of the biggest things is because app development and gamification, you know, it can be expensive. Uh, once you hire someone, uh, a couple of developers full time for three months, it adds up quickly. So you really want to test your idea and make sure it it's going to be something that sells. And so you want to create, you know, an MVP. And this MVP doesn't have to be an app itself. It could just be a video of an app. Um, this is how it could work potentially. And then you get feedback and see if people will, you know, sign up to buy it beforehand. Um, for us, we do, uh, you know, for our own ideas, testing is incredibly important. And as you said, market research is incredibly important. We were looking the other day to create a habit timer app. I'm like, oh, Jimmy, I can't find a good habit time. Jimmy's my, my business partner. I can't find a good habit timer app out there. Uh, it'd be great to, to get one. And you, of course, you know, a couple of searches later, I find one, which does exactly what we thought <laughs> we could make. Uh, so you, you, you know, you've got to research, you've got to jump into the app store, search widely to see if, you know, those things exist and to see how much success they've had as well. You can always do things a bit differently, um, have a unique selling point and gamification can be a unique selling point as well. So, you know, f- for example, there's an app out there, which is a habit timer or a Pomodoro timer called Forest. And it is insanely popular. It's really good, um, where you have a little tree, you plant the tree, you start your timer. And if you close the app, the tree will die. And so it's, it's a nice little bit of gamification element to, to motivate you to, it's super cute, but you know, it's a habit timer app, but they have a unique spin on it with gamification, which is nice. That's great. So really, That'd be great for me. Look, I, I kill plants in the real world. Yeah. So then it would be able for me to kill plants in the, the digital the world. Virtual world as well. Yeah, in the virtual world as well. Love it. Yeah. They can feel doubly as bad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, look, just getting your idea. A lot of people keep their ideas to themselves as well and say, oh, no, I don't want to share the idea or get, you know, sign an NDA in order for you to share it. But it's good just getting your idea out there, sharing it with people, getting feedback. And if you can get payment for your idea before you've even made it, that's that's a great sign of a, a product that's going to work. Um, people kickstart stuff. So Kickstarter is really good for that. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, and yeah, that's a good example. There's other ways to to get initial, uh, you know, uh, interest in your in your ideas. I had a friend who worked in uh, in the app space and and web development space, and he said every time someone's made me like a client or someone's made me sign an NDA, it hasn't been a great idea. He's like, <laughs> the no, ones where know. someone's just told me, I, I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah. a really good idea. <laughs> I know, and this is the thing. It's it's one thing having an uh, an idea. But it's another thing executing it. Um, and I, again, they say it, you know, ideas are, are plentiful, but mm. it, it comes down to how you execute it, which is really important. And look, the, the nice thing about sharing your ideas is you get that initial feedback from people. You can see if they sound excited about it or not. Um, so it's great to get your ideas out there. Um, you, you spoke on before a, uh, like a habit timer app. Have there been any other cases where you thought, hey, I've got this cracking idea um, only to be sort of met with some disappointment of, you know, either not, not people, people being not as receptive or, uh, or it just existing. Yeah, look, we, for sure, we, and this is a really important part is when you come up with an idea, you need to test it out as quickly as you possibly can by creating a, you know, an MVP or a prototype. Uh, and there was one that we made, we thought it was hilarious and great. It was called Step Mum and it was a gamified step counter. Uh, <laughs> we created a prototype through uh, just using a bunch of different technologies. We used Slack. Uh, we created a leaderboard in Google Docs and we just found that the game part of it was really boring. And so we're like, great, we're not going to spend some time building this. Um, we may visit it again in the future and change the design, but uh, you know, 
having creating that test really early on by not even making an app was really good to give us that feedback that people found that boring. So on that, yeah, that's a really good point of, um, you know, how do you make it fun and engaging? Are there any like, mm. are there any, is there like a formula that works? Is there, you know, is there like five parts to making a, you know, a, an amazing game <laughs> or like if you get these things right, uh, you can sort of yeah. guarantee it or is it, there's no sort of silver bullet when it comes to it? Oh, there's a formula and yeah. it's test early and test often <laughs> yeah. and then change it if it's not working. Yeah. Um, the, the, no, it's so hard. You know, it, it, there's an art to game design. Um, you know, you can. It, it, it's it's all about understanding what what you're trying to create, what experience you want to create for the players, uh, and then building what you think will create that experience for them. But then, if it doesn't work, don't be afraid to change it and throw it out. That's mm. the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of um, it reminds me of like any good branding in general, like if, if there's a great story, if the story's engaging, if there's, if there's something that, uh, mm. you know, that speaks to a group of people, it doesn't have to be super broad. It can be quite niche. Um, and it just tells like a, a unique and engaging story and it's well thought out and well yes. crafted. It, um, it might hook people and then, and then you can sort of reward them for, for engaging on that. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to pick your brain on on gamification in in a space which is probably a little bit more unethical, and that's the gamifications yeah. of like pokies and and you know betting or gambling. What's your thoughts on mm. that? Um, yeah, it's interesting, and especially just when talking about gamification, uh, it can come across as you're trying to manipulate people. You know, mm. you're adding these game elements to motivate people and to change people's behavior, and so you've got to be really careful when when thinking about gamification or talking about it that you know you're doing it for ethical reasons. Um, mm. Generally, when you're a business, um, you, you are adding these elements in order to engage people um, and you're doing it from a point of view where you've, you've created an engaging product, you've created a product which has some value, which is going to help people and you want people to, to get that value from your product. And so, you know, you're adding those aspects there. And as long as you're very transparent about it all, then it's okay. But it's when you, you know, you, you add things in there, which aren't quite transparent. People don't know what they're signing up or getting into, or there's uh, known bad side effects from it. Then you've got to be really careful with the design. Cause like pokey machines are incredibly sort of intelligent in how they're, how they're designed to keep people playing, mm. isn't, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, they're, the they're designed in a way to, with those, you know, intermittent uh, reward schedules where, you know, you, you give people a little bit of, of money or a bit of a payout and then, you know, you have to keep playing in order to get bigger payouts, et cetera. So they're definitely designed in a way which is, you know, it, it can be seen as unethical um, because the goal there is just to get money. Mm, mm. There's no real value for the person apart, you know, it's, 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 that's a really, uh, really interesting case. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, there's a long-standing history and obviously there's a, the pokies have a, a pretty big, um, well, I guess, I, you know, the, ta the tax um, sort of made from that through the government, uh, mm. I think sort of keeps them in play. But I, I feel like if someone went out to market now and tried to, you know, push this new product, um, people would have a lot to say about it. Like we sort of let it, let it sort of uh, fly because it's got, you know, a long-standing history in, in Australian clubs yeah. and things like that. Wow. But, but yeah. If, if but even the surprising thing is, 
these there's a lot of pokies kind of similar apps out there as well mm. where there's there's no real payout you don't get money from them but you are spending money to to buy virtual coins for these machines so yeah, i mean crazy. yeah it's happening online as well people are moving into this kind of space where we're seeing a lot of kind of gambling and betting happening online and so again yeah it's one of those interesting areas that's kind of which we need to to think about what are the ramifications well, Zach, mate, thank you so much for taking the time. I've learned a hell of a lot about, uh, about gamification and also some really cool stuff around website design, which, um, yeah, mm. I, I really like. I really like the stuff around uh, the surprise and delight factor, the use of animation, um, some references around MailChimp. And, you know, it's just great chatting to you about, about different apps and suggestions. So uh, on that, do you have any recommendations on You've, you've mentioned a few, so Clear, you've mentioned Forest. Um, are there any other apps, because you, you'd be a bit of a guru when it comes to this, um, that you'd recommend or that are on your you know, home screen? Yes. So th- those ones are the main ones. Uh, let me just open up my home screen right now and have a quick look. I mean, look, yeah. So Streaks is another one. I love the, the Streaks app. That's a, by an Australian developer. What's and that that's one? just you create your own. Oh, it's it's uh, you create your or set up your own habits, and then you just create you know it records your streaks for how many times you manage to achieve the, that habit That's on a daily cool. basis or yeah, yeah. on a schedule that you set up. Uh, so you know that one's there, but yeah, those other ones I mentioned are great starting points. So Duolingo, uh, Zombies Run, they're all free as well, so it's worth downloading, checking them out, and just trying it out to see to see what gamification's being used in those cases. That's awesome. And Matt, in closing, uh, we just asked a few questions. So who's someone remarkable in branding, marketing, or design that you know that we should speak to? Well, there's lots of people out there. I would, so going back to my theme of escape rooms, I think escape rooms are really interesting. Um, and I think there's, uh, in Brisbane, there's Escape Hunt and um, Giovanna uh, is one of the co-founders of, of Escape Hunt. She'd be great to chat to because it's just a really that interesting awesome. area. Yeah, I'd love to chat to her. Especially especially when it comes to even just branding escape rooms and, and the experiences that they create, but also when it comes to design itself of the escape rooms. That's cool. Um, well, thank and then Johnny you, yeah. Shannon. And so who's yeah. the other one? Sorry, John Shannon. Uh, John, Johnny Shannon. In, yep. um, uh, he's down in Sydney and he does some really interesting things with marketing games. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Thanks, mate. I'd love to chat to both of them. Um, and what's your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, tough. There's so many good quotes out there. But one of my favorite quotes is uh, a quote by Brian Sutton Smith. Um, and he he was a, a kind of a researcher or a, a, um, someone who, who studied play. Uh, and his quote is, the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression, which I quite like. Yeah, I like that. And, mm-hmm. Matt, and finally, uh, where can people learn more about you? Oh, head to my website, zachfitzwalter.com, Z-A-C-F-I-T-Z-W-A-L-T-E-R. It's one of those lovely long names, uh, <laughs> .com. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's information about the work that I do on that website. Well, mate, thank you so much for taking the time. I've learned a hell of a lot. Hey. And uh, yeah, I've had a great time. No worries, Dan. It was great. Thanks for listening to this episode of DSR Branding Presents. To learn more about the guests or the things discussed, head to our website, dsrb.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoyed it, please let me know and spread the word by sharing it with a friend. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. DSR Branding exists to inspire people to love what their work represents. I hope that this episode has inspired you to think differently.